Are you passionate about creating a physical product, something you can touch, feel, or taste, and then get paid for it by those that love what you've created? Well, the Product Launch Rebel Podcast is the one for you, where you get insider tips on how to spot an opportunity, manufacture your product, get financing, and achieve the independence you've always dreamed about. It's time to crank it up with your host, product developer, investor, and founder of VentureSuperfly.com, John Benzik. Greetings, Product Launch Rebels. This is John Benzik from Venture Superfly, the website that helps you double your entrepreneurial courage even when you're in a sea of self-doubt. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Jeff Savaldson. Jeff is the co-founder of Drumlight, a company that provides LED lights that fit into drum sets. In fact, in 2014, Drumlight was displayed to millions during the Super Bowl when the Red Hot Chili Peppers played at the halftime show. Jeff, welcome to the Product Launch Rebel podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks, John. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Jeff, to start with, let's set the context for our listeners and ask a few baseline questions. And then we'll get into a second set of questions on key topics that might really help our listeners move forward with their entrepreneurial journey. How does that sound? Sounds great. Great. Jeff, first, describe your product in a nutshell and what makes it so unique. Sure. Um, yeah, so drum lights is basically an LED lighting kit um, specifically geared towards the drum set. And so what that entails is um, LED strip lighting that goes inside of the drums and kind of illuminates the shells from the inside out. Um, and that also, and then you, it includes a controller um, for the LEDs as well. And that's something that we... Um, developed specifically for the use within a drum set. So it's a little bit different than some of the different types of uh, LED systems you see on the market currently in other app- applications. Um, but yeah, but that's basically, that's basically a drum light kit, um, kind of what you get. Tell us how you came up with the idea. Uh, actually, it was started by uh, my co-founder and I. My co-founder is Joey Nesbitt, and he... Um, also went to St. Thomas and was a mechanical engineering graduate, actually. Um, He and I were roommates in St. Thomas. I was a senior. He was a junior. And we actually, one day, we had these LED lighting strips that we were kind of using around our house at the time. Um, And I just had this idea. He and I are both drummers. And I had seen it kind of done before. But I, I kind of just had this crazy idea. And I said, hey, Joey, have you ever thought about putting... Um, like lights and drums. I know I've seen it before, but we should like, you know, pimp out your drums or something. Because he had his drum set at the time at our house um, just off of uh, St. Thomas campus. And I went to class that day and probably about, you know, two, three hours later, Joey had already had a prototyped kit, you know, kind of a hodgepodge thing together, but it worked. The drums lit up. It was really, really cool to see. And that was kind of the spark of drum light. So he went out and kind of gigged um, on that kit and the ball started to kind of get rolling really through word of mouth. So people would come up to him, they'd say, hey, how'd you do this? Could you do it for me? You know, and then all of a sudden we started building kits like these LED kits for other drummers and then it just kind of started. That's kind of how I guess, yeah, the ball, the ball got rolling. What motivated you to actually make the product and then sell the product and not just a dream and talk about it like many, many and most 
other people? Uh, yeah, I think what motivated me was I was an, an entrepreneurship grad from St. Thomas. So that was my uh, like business um, degree was especially in entrepreneurship. And so having an, you know, an entrepreneurial mind and things like that, um, it was definitely something it was kind of more, you know, I kind of posed it as a challenge to Joey, like how, you know, how could, do you think you could really make something like this? Because, you know, it could be, I think it could be pretty cool. And so I think that kind of helped. And Joey's a, he's a very go-getter too. And, you know, I mean, it helped that we were college kids and besides studying and, you know, going to class and hanging out on weekends, we didn't have a whole other lot of responsibilities. So it kind of helped us to, um, really kind of give us a spark and just do it and kind of see, Hey, you know, what what happens and you know take it from there so did you grow up in an entrepreneurial household was that something that was sort of instilled in you or in joey at an early age um for me i actually did not grow up in an entrepreneurial household um i don't believe anybody at least anybody in my immediate family um has like like ran their own business or anything like that um and i think i feel like joey's it was kind of from a similar situation. So none of us really had a, like a true, you know, entrepreneurial background where we worked at like mom and dad's business or an uncle or aunt's business or things like that. Um, but yeah, it was just, I think the spark for me, um, to do something entrepreneurial is I always wanted to probably happen in high school because I always kind of wanted to know, I just wanted to be my own boss. Um, and that was, you know, an entrepreneurship was kind of the path and that kind of started to open up when I was in college at St. Thomas. Um, when I found out about their entrepreneurship degree at the, uh, Opus College of Business. And that was kind of the, you know, the, the mind opener of, wow, you know, this is really something that you can do. And even though I'm at the time, you know, 20, 21 years old, it's still a possibility. And that was really cool to me. So I think that was kind of what, you know, lit the fire for me at least, uh, on the entrepreneurial side. Jeff, how old are you now? Uh, I am 27 right now. Wow, such a young entrepreneur and doing such fun things. Jeff, let's get to the heart of the matter here. In thinking about our podcast listeners, many people that have a product idea have no idea how to do some of the key things to launch a company, and, and that really holds them back that lack of knowledge. For example, with a few of my product and company launches that I've been involved with, many people are often puzzled as to how I was able to do some basic things, such as how do I manufacture the product? How do I find a supplier? How do I approach them? How do I raise money? How do I deal with retailers? That sort of thing. So let's get to the heart of the matter on some things. I'd love to help to hear your stories about how you approach some of these things for example how did you find a manufacturer or are you doing it yourself manufacturing the product um so we it's kind of we don't do any of the um hard manufacturing per se um so but we do like kit the kits here uh in-house in actually our, our shop here is in st louis park minnesota and um but as far as the manufacturing of the actual like LED strips and, and controllers and things like that, at least our baseline models, um, those are all done. We have a manufacturer that does that um, overseas for us. And as far as finding, so how that kind of started out 
in the manu- manufacturing process for us was really early on. Um, we were just buying things off of, you know, like Alibaba and Amazon and eBay and things like that um, to kind of get started. And there were, it was really, really a hodgepodge thing um, just to kind of get the parts. I mean, it it was way back in 2011, you know, there was no way we could afford to buy anything in bulk yet. Um, So we just kind of scrapped together what money we could between Joey and I to at least, you know, buy some type of you know, similar parts and things like that off of, you know, through online, re- even like through online retailers and things like that. Sure. Um, really just doing whatever we could to to get a type of product. And then at the time, Joey would actually, um, you know, solder and make all the connections himself. So he actually, he, and he has an electrical, somewhat of an electrical background because his dad's an electrical engineer. I know he said he was a mechanical earlier and that, and that is correct, but uh, he does know a, th- a thing or two about electrical. Uh, electrical engineering um so i think as far as really starting out when you have a uh you know a hard good product it's really just trying to get whatever you can to at least make your product happen in your hands as economically i guess as possible and i know that kind of almost sounds backwards but um I think that's the big place. As long as you know generally kind of what parts you need, you know, for us, it's like, okay, we need LEDs, we need controller, um, we need cables. And then when we couldn't find cables, um, you know, that was something that Joey had to like kind of figure out how to build, build himself. Um, and, th- and that's kind of, I guess, you know, really just how, how we started that process was just trying, you know, we weren't dealing directly with any manufacturers right in the beginning it was mostly you know through wholesalers and dealers so there was almost more of a type of mindset that you had really going into that just the drive and the motivation to figure out how to get a product made and do you have any thoughts about or recommendations or advice on on how to have that sort of mindset for beginning entrepreneurs yeah i think you know, we did have, um, I guess, having the mindset of of just trying to figure it out when you're in the be- in the beginning stages. I mean, it can be tough because, yeah, I mean, where where do you start? Um, but you know, it, let's say if your product, I mean, just kind of, I guess, knowing what components um, in your product is probably you know, kind of a good place. And then really trying to, I, you know, Google was one of our very good friends and not like literally like sure. we didn't know anybody at Google, but just Googling things um, of like who makes, you know, like what types of, of LEDs and things like that. Like, for example, um, you know, for like our listeners and things like that, if you were to, um, let's just say, you're going to make, you're going to be a phone company and you're going to build phones like Apple. I mean, you'd know you'd probably would need, um, you know, the circuit boards and at least a microphone of some sort and, a, you know, a speaker and screen and things like that. And, and just Googling a lot of that stuff, you'll be amazing or you'll be amazed at, w- at what you can find out. And it was a lot. It was, I will say, it was a lot of self-education <laughs> in the early days, you sure. know, just trying to learn it yourself. And it is amazing what you can find, isn't it? Once you set a target and have some sort of focus to aim at, it's amazing what you can dig up in a short amount of time. 
Yeah, and another thing I will add to that too, because we did do this in the beginning, was um, try and find if you're if you're going to get in an industry um, as an entrepreneur and you're going to do a a hard good, um, try try and find other people who are in that in that same industry, you know, and talk to them. And we've always found um, that you know people are very open you know, for the most part and, and helpful, at least helping to try and get your idea off the ground. You know, they won't, people won't share trade secrets, but you know, it's, they'll, they will help you as much as they can to, you know, kind of push in the direction of like, oh, you know, well, you could get this here or no, nah, maybe it's a better idea to work with these people or do it this way or whatnot. So we did a lot of that in the beginning as well, kind of trying to work both sides, both, both the drum, like the drum music industry and getting contacts there as well as people who do you know, things with LED lights. Jeff, I think that's a great piece of advice. And I think a lot of times people are held back by not asking some basic questions to those that know things that are essentially people that are nearly right in front of them. And uh, I agree. I've had that experience as well. And uh, sometimes people get puzzled by my advice to just go talk to people and, and get some of those answers to people within arm's reach. And I think that's very, very true. You'll be amazed at how friendly people are and how often they'll give you some information. Yeah, and I totally agree with you, John, on that. And it's true. I mean, it's even even just your friends. I mean, you can, you know, for example, that's what we, I think, mainly we had to do for a lot of our contacts because we didn't have any direct contacts, you know, back in 2011 or anything in the music industry or, or in any type of LED lighting. But it was just kind of asking, you know, asking your immediate network and maybe, you know, a family member might know somebody or a friend might know somebody or even, you know, if you're a student, you know, even better. I mean, you have professors and lots of resources at a, at a school, you know, to leverage as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the money one needs to start a business. What sort of money did you need? Where did you find it? Uh, yeah, when we actually started out, um, we boots, Joey and I bootstrapped drum lights um, pretty much as far as we could bootstrap it. Um, so we, at the time when we were in college, we pooled together between the two of us about $500, you know, just, just in cash um, to, launch, to launch the business. And we, we did everything you know, we could to stretch that $500, you know, buy some parts um, online and get that in and then um, just leverage that. And that's kind of been the drum light way almost since the beginning is just really bootstrapping and being, you know, as cost effective as possible. Um, and yeah, and then I guess, but beyond that, as far as our initial investment between uh, Joey and I, uh, we we do have we do do a uh, line of credit, so we do have that as well. Um, but we don't have, I unfortunately, well, I, I guess I wouldn't say unfortunately, but in our case, we don't have any um, like outside investments. So I, in that in that regards, unfortunately, I can't speak to investments. But um, but that's kind of our what that was our cash situation. Yeah, I love the culture of going about and bootstrapping and and keeping it private in a lot of ways and and close at hand. That's that's um, often overlooked in in a lot of today's uh, popular entrepreneurial press. Um, how did you determine the price point for your product, and what would you recommend for others when they have to come up with a price point? Yeah, um, is in the early days, and our prices um, 
our prices have stayed, you know, relatively the same, and they have changed a, a decent amount since the beginning. Um, but it was how we determined our prices. Um, really, was you know just knowing pretty much how much at least the hard the hard goods cost. If you can get that information, uh, you know, on your cost of goods sold, that's a great starting point. Um, and then also working in that margin to make sure it's a it's a sustainable and, and profitable product that you're selling um, is, is pretty big. So we always kind of worked on the principle of, you know, our, our cost of goods sold are X and, you know, we want, you know, our margins, you know, that would say, you know, you probably always, at least starting out, you would, I would suggest being probably around 50% um, is kind of, I guess, you know, what I would say is, is the safe zone. Um, so as far as our pricing and things like that, and that, and that, like I said, that has changed, um, and our, you know, our margins and things like that vary depending on the product now. Um, but definitely being, just being aware of your costs, your hard costs. Um, and then also just, you know, adding enough, enough margin and padding in there to make sure that you can, you know, cover overhead and knowing, you know, whether it was, um, warehouse expenses like rent and things like that, or you know labor expenses, or just you know just the general expenses of running a business. You know, paying for um, your website, marketing, advertising, things like that. How soon did you go to retailers and retailer buyers to sell the product, and how did that affect your pricing, if at all? Yeah, so we approached retailers. Um, that would have been in. 2014, I think, was when we first started getting into um, retail. And so with retail, that is a, an interesting thing because it's you would, for, for people who are listening that don't know this, um, how, how it works, at least in our industry, in, in the music industry, is um, for like musical instruments and hard goods, we sell it to the to Guitar Center, we'll say, for X amount, and then they turn around and sell it to you, the customer, for X amount, and everybody kind of you know adds on to that. So um, as far as changing our pricing, that was definitely something, in order for us to get into retail, we had to have our, our pricing um, really at a good point, and we had to ha- really have our cost of goods sold down. Um, and luckily in 2014, um, we were able to you know, be able to start really buying, um, in bulk and getting those, um, you know, discounted rates. Cause with most hard goods, like the actual manufacturers of hard goods, when you're buying your parts and supplies, um, you know, most of those people give you a, a quantity discount. So if you're going to buy, you know, a thousand of a product versus, you know, a hundred, you're going to get a better price per product. So that was something that when we got to the point where it was like, Hey, you know, maybe we should start really pursuing retail, we knew we had to really work hard to, um, you know, get the minimum quantities that we could to make sure that our, our prices, you know, could come down a bit and kind of give a little room for, you know, for the retailer to get some too. A, a number of times when I've launched consumer product companies and went to retailers, we would put together pricing sheets, retail terms and conditions forms. We would have discount programs. We'd have merchandising to help with the selling of the product once it's in the store. When you first started going to retailers, how prepared were you and what did you do to get in? 
Yeah, that's a great question, John. Um, our our retail experience um, was very similar to yours. We had, you know, the pricing all figured out, um, you know, and it, our big thing in the music industry is that there's a, a very large trade show every year. Uh, it's called the NAM show and that's out in, um, Anaheim, California in January of every year. And that's probably the, there's, you know, trade shows throughout the year for the, for the musical instrument, uh, category, but that's probably one of, if it's not the biggest, it's, it's one of the biggest. Um, so that's kind of where all the, the major retail players are at that show and you can get some good FaceTime there. So <clears throat> that must far, be a fun show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's great to be able to, uh, go to Southern California in the middle of January instead of <laughs> being in Minnesota here. <laughs> right. It's a nice little break. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun and you, and you learn a lot being, I mean, if you're, you know, and just another, you know, little tidbit that I just thought of for listeners. I mean, if you're, if there are industry trade shows, I definitely suggest, you know, in an industry that you're looking to get into, I definitely suggest going. Joey and I went, um, the first year that we did drum light and in the first year that we did drum light, I don't know, we maybe sold like 12 kits total, <laughs> right. but we, we didn't go and exhibit. I should say we went and, um, just kind of walked the floor and, and met people and tried to make as many contacts. So that's a huge, can be a huge networking event as well. Um, it's, it can be transformative going to a yeah. show like that. Yes. Yeah, I, absolutely. It, it changes the whole game and the mindset and you come back, you might spend what a thousand dollars going there or something, even just to walk the show. But if you're focused and working on exactly what you need to know and who you need to meet, boy, that can really transform your whole thinking and strategy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. And I'm so glad that we did you know, just kind of walk the floor for the first, we did it for the first two years. And then in our third year business, um, that's when we, uh, had a boot, had an actual booth space at the show, um, and then got the retailers in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great just to even just be there and do it on the cheap like that and, and just meet those people. Cause that, that is huge as well. Um, but yeah, but as far as, as far as getting back on those, on the retailers, um, so we knew the, fir the first year that we exhibited at NAMM um, and we were going to have a booth that our goal was we want to get into retailers. So we did a, you know, I did a lot of homework, a lot of researching um, beforehand to figure out a lot of work in my network to the best of my ability to figure out who the actual buyers were. Um, I'll take Guitar Center just as an example, you know, for figuring out and reaching out to my network, you know, who, Hey, who, who's, who's the drum buyer? Who's the accessory buyer? You know, can you, you know, get me in contact? And eventually I was able to get, you know, people's names, contact info, phone numbers, emails, um, which was great. And it's actually for listeners. I mean, it's easier than it sounds as crazy as that statement may sound. It, you know, it is, people are usually, if you're on to something, you know, and you're genuinely, you know, focused and driven and, and really genuine and passionate about the product or project that you're pursuing. I mean, people can see that and they want to help you out. So it wasn't like it was super difficult um, to get that. So yeah, before the show, I got in contact with, um, you know, the drum and accessory buyers at Guitar Center, um, sent them over briefings on, on, hey, you know, here's like, here's kind of like a drum light almost um, like media kit, if you will. So I had a bunch of different kind of 
just explaining what drum lights were to guitar center buyers who probably really hadn't seen it before. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, Hey, here's our, here's our pricing that we're, that we're planning on doing. And I had, I had actually sent all that over to them before the show. And then, so literally then they had time to review that. And about two weeks before the show, they're like, okay, yep, let's lock down a time to meet. And away we went. How exciting must of that have been let's um so you're talking to retailers at this point uh you have you're somewhat prepared to do that i often tell people when i'm advising them when they want to get their product on the shelf so to speak in a brick and mortar retailer i often say the easy part is getting it in the door the hard part is getting it out of the door in other words consumers coming in looking for the product trying the product and and then buying it and leaving. How did you raise awareness for the product in the stores and then create demand for the product so consumers would buy? Yeah, that's a a great point. I totally agree with you on that one, John. Um, Yes, it is easy to get in the store, but much harder to get it off the shelves. Totally agree. Um, As far as us and raising awareness and kind of creating that uh, demand or that pull from the consumer, a lot of our stuff we really utilize as much as possible social media. Um, it's it's huge for us because drum lights, um, you know, it's, it's LED lights for drum sets, so it's very 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 visual product. Um, so you know, sharing pictures and early on it was just pictures, you know, from our customers that they had sent us, and we always encouraged from the early days for people to, hey, send us a picture with you, you know, in your drum set with our drum lights in it. And, and, you know, we'll share it on our social media. You know, it doesn't matter if you're playing arena shows or you're playing in your basement. You know, we'll share it on our social media. We'll put you on our website. You know, it's, we want to, you know, encourage people kind of that, you know, sharing the environment for that. So that was, that's one of our, was one of our biggest pushes to get um, the word out there. We also did, as far as um, nowadays, now that we've been in business a couple more years and really something I'm focused on now is kind of one of my main priorities is actually prospecting um, drummers out there who don't have drum lights yet, but getting them to, you know, use our products and, you know, promotional and getting us them in our you know promotional materials and things like that um but i would say social media and really um giving people who bought a drum like kit tools to spread the word so whether that be stickers or business cards or just information on like because most of the time with drummers if if somebody especially early in our early years everything was so word of mouth that um you know a drummer or somebody would come up to a drummer after a gig and they would say, Oh, you know, how did you do that? And so in our eyes, there was nothing worse than somebody saying, Oh, well, you know, there's this company called Drumlight. You should Google it. So we had always, you know, pretty much right from the beginning, tried to give people, you know, stickers or some type of thing that they can hand off and say, Hey, it's this company called Drumlight. Here, I got a, I got a card. I got a little, little pamphlet thing. Um, you know, check it out and, and, you know, give them, give them a, a ring. Jeff, is is your industry, do you work with independent sales reps that represent your product as well as a number of other products to that music instrument channel? Um, as far as our industry, it's 
it's not necessarily I guess in a way um, they would be probably independent sales reps. We don't have anything like formal like an independent sales reps, but we do have um, people and we are getting more and more um, in this year and definitely probably next year, but people who are getting for lack of a, a better word, like a drum light endorsement. So, you know, they would get our drum lights at, you know, like kind of like an artist rate. Um, and then in exchange for that, they, you know, do promo on their social media or, you know, promo at their clinics for us, you know, mention us, put, put our logos in their, um, in, in their, you know, personal promo material or in the band's material and things like that. Um, so that's kind of how, so it's not necessarily a, a, like a salesperson really kind of job, but just more or less, uh, um, kind of like a sponsorship kind of thing, I guess I would say. Sure. And so you really, and companies like yours sell directly to the buyer. There's no distributor in between or sales rep in between most of the time. Oh, oh yes. Um, as far as dealing with, um, the, the buyers and guitar center, um, I would say most, um, actually most products in our uh, musical instrument industry are probably distributed through a distributor. And at now in uh, 2016, Drumlight is actually distributed through a company called Pearl Drums. Um, so they actually do handle that all of, they not well now they currently do. And we signed that distribution deal with Pearl would have been last year, yeah, in 2015, they started distributing drum lights. Um, but when we first started out and we first got into Guitar Center and retail shops, that was actually us dealing directly with the, um, the retailer. Um, but now Pearl is actually technically our distributor to retailers. That's so exciting. So we have a few minutes left here, Jeff, and so I want to just button down three final questions for you. What were the biggest challenges or mistakes that your team has made and how have you overcome them? I would say the biggest challenges that our team faces is um, really just having having to be, be, well, because we're bootstrapped, really just having to be really smart with our money. I think that's, you know, financially that's always a um, tough thing when, you know, you don't have a, you know, a major investment or, or major um, cash behind you per se. But, you know, I, it's, it's a, it's a blessing in disguise though at the same time. So we're not, you know, <laughs> so we don't spend money on, on dumb things I like to say. <laughs> and sometimes but, if you have investors, they might just take over the company. Yes. And, yeah. And that's a, that is a great point. Um, you know, yeah, we don't have any, you know, investments, so it's all 100%, you know, owned by us here at Drumlight. So it's, um, you know, we can, can make our, our decisions and things like that internally. So that's great. Um, I would say that that's probably one of the, the toughest challenges and just over overcoming that was just really learning how to bootstrap really well and just kind of even keeping that mentality as the business grew to just, you know, kind of just smart, being smart with, with the money that we had, I think has helped us a lot. Jeff, since you started Drumlight, what new things have you learned about yourself? What key things might be useful or meaningful for others to hear? Um, I would say the big thing that I've 
starting Drumlight and and being involved with you know my own business, I think the biggest thing I've learned about myself is that um, I I'm not perfect. <laughs> I guess I would say, right. um, and I think that's for some entrepreneurs and you know I I have you know friends who who run their own businesses as well. And, um, that's kind of, it can be a tough lesson because, you know, us as entrepreneurs, you know, you have, you have to have that drive and you have to have that, um, being able to, you know, kind of see through the mud type of a type of a mentality of when, you know, Hey, when people, when everybody's telling you, you know, you can't do it or it can't be done, or, you know, this is a dumb idea or something, you know, really, I think a lot that drives a lot of us to do it, to like prove people wrong. I think that's a, that's a big kind of or just or just seeing the value in something that most people don't see, um, and so but so with with that being said, I think my biggest thing was I've always kind of you know had had the drive to really kind of want to to do it. But there's been lots of times where I have, um, and I'm so thankful. That's probably one of my biggest the biggest advice I give to entrepreneurs is always to is to try if you can to start a business with a business partner because Joey has come in so many times and you know, helped me immensely. And he and I, you know, were good for bouncing ideas off each other and things like that. And, you know, just knowing that I don't, that, you know, I don't have all the answers per se. And that, and that's okay. You know, you don't need to, you know, know everything. And sometimes if you don't know everything, that's better. (laughs) It sure is. I absolutely agree. What are, do you have a, do you have a top piece of advice that you could give to those that are contemplating getting into this type or any type of new business. Yeah, um, it, I, I could probably I'll maybe give advice for like maybe both. Um, as far as getting into either a kind of well, we'll say like getting into um, a hard goods business. I think the biggest ad- advice um, I could give somebody besides the the partnership thing is um really uh try and look away from the uh the glamorous life of of the app people sure. <laughs> or the, or the software folks um you know those people i mean it it I, well and i know i shouldn't i shouldn't say the glamorous life because obviously they have they have worked very hard too i mean I, <laughs> but I think that's, you know, a lot of people think hard goods is not sexy. You know, the sexy thing right now, and it has been, you know, recently, probably for the last maybe decade, has been like, you know, software. And, I, you know, don't let that, don't let that deter you. I mean, if, if you're, if you want to get into a hard goods business and, you know, whether that's you're making, you know, custom stuff yourself, you know, out of your garage or your house or your dorm room, or if you're going to, you know, just make an improvement on, you know, a product that's kind of already out there, but make it your own and something unique, you know, that's awesome. And I, and I think that's, you know, a big advice is just, you know, just, just do what you want to do. And if it's, you know, a hard, good thing, then more power to you. Um, and then, yeah, as far as advice, just business in general, um, surround yourself with good people, you know, and surround yourself with people who, um, and by good people, I don't necessarily mean people who are, you know, are just gonna, you know, nod their nod their head and, and 
say yes to you all the time. Um, but you know, surround your. I guess let me let me rephrase that. Surround yourself with smart people if you can find. So I've always tried, you know, and I always joke here at the shop like I'm the dumbest one at the shop. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of the vibe that I want. Like I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to be you know surrounded by people and and that can be very hard especially when it comes to hiring you know staff and and more people and things like that but I mean if you can surround yourself with you know smart people who believe in what you're doing I mean you're setting yourself up for you know big success right from the get-go that's terrific did I miss a question for you that that you want to answer or something that's really sort of any um, final thoughts um I'm trying to think. I I don't think so. I think you cut. Co- yeah, I think you covered a lot of them real real well. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. This has been a great interview. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking with you again real soon. Sounds great, John. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, and yeah, love it. Well, you've just listened to another episode of Product Launch Rebel featuring John Benzik of Venture Superfly. To download episodes of previous shows or for other entrepreneur-related resources, visit VentureSuperfly.com. Be sure to like Venture Superfly on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to Product Launch Rebel in iTunes. Join us for our next Product Launch Rebel episode, where we'll continue to reveal insider tips on how to launch and grow your physical product-based business. 